0: Welcome back to the show, my fellow Story Americans. For today's guest, we have Alex Terranova. Alex is a performance and success alchemist, professional certified coach, and founder of Dream Mason Inc. He's also an author and international speaker. He's been dubbed the anti-excuses coach by Yahoo Finance, named 40 over 40 in podcasting by Podcast Magazine as a co creator of Your Love Adventure, an innovative, fun, and adventurous new take on dating. He sometimes refers to himself As a recovering asshole and legend has it that he's a former reality TV show villain. Since 2015, Alex has coached hundreds of successful and powerful individuals and businesses to thrive financially, enjoy better relationships and achieve more, all with less stress, drama and difficulty. He has worked with athletes, entertainers, executives and leaders in MLB, LinkedIn, Shutterfly, Godiva, Chase and many others. He's also the author of fictional authenticity, the forthcoming book *How Dreams Are Built*, and the co-author of the best-selling book *Redefining Masculinity*. He has hosted and appeared in over 400 podcasts, including top-rated shows such as *The University of Adversity*, *The primal Blueprint*, and *Success Unleashed*. And has interviewed hundreds of the world's highest-performing, wise, and successful leaders on his podcast, *The Dream Mason Podcast*, a top 2% ranked podcast according to Listen Notes. He's also the host of Playing With Problems and the co-host of The Coaching Show and The Frequency Shifters Show. Alex has been featured on NBC, Fox, Yahoo Finance, The Goodman Project, Disrupt Magazine, Thrive Global, and The Elephant Journal. He's what I would call an extraordinary American, and I'm honored to have him on the show. Alex, are you there? What's up? (laughs) I sound like I'm a really big deal when you read it like that. I mean, you are, right? uh, uh I, was, I was just like looking at your bio and i'm like wow this is this is amazing and uh yeah so alex i know that you're an entrepreneur you're a certified coach and you're an author and a podcaster can you tell me and the audience a little bit more about yourself your background and how you got started
1: yeah uh <laughs> where do i start after all that you just said uh, i think i'll start with at the root of it i still think of myself as a re- like i'm a regular guy you know i'm not I'm not special. I'm no different than anyone else. And I think that's important. And I, and I, I think to remember that all those things that you just shared and all the things that I'm up to have been a long journey, right? There, they've been a lot of like, we're focusing on one brick at a time, like putting one brick into a wall. And eventually there's something big. Um, I, uh, I grew up in Los Angeles. I've lived in New York City. I live in San Diego now. I spent my life. Prior to being an entrepreneur and prior to being a coach, prior to being an author, I was the guy i was a I was the guy who opened up restaurants. I opened up bars and restaurants. I traveled around the country. I was involved in operations. I was involved in hr. I was all involved in training. Obviously, I was involved in the food. I was involved in reality shows. But ultimately, at the end of the day, while I think on the surface, it would have looked like I was successful. I was like moving up the the ladder, the corporate ladder of the restaurant world, right? I had done these reality shows. I was running very cool places and major cities. I was pretty unfulfilled and I was pretty shallow. And I was, as you said, I was an asshole. I was, I was, I wasn't the nicest guy. I was really, I lived my life from ego. So I was chasing dollars. I was chasing women. I was chasing the next car or, you know, item I didn't feel good about myself. So the way that that came out was I was kind of a jerk. I was, you know, I would say things to trigger people and piss people off and say very like bold statements to like, you know, shock and awe. And uh, one day about like eight years ago ish, I had a moment where I just realized if I kept down this path that I was going, which looked good on the outside, right? Like it, It was like a beautiful car with like a, here, how about this? It was a, it was a beautiful house with, it had termites fully in it. So it was like, it looked good, but if it kept going the way it was going, it's going to collapse. And I had a moment where I just realized if I kept living the way I was living, I was going to be old and alone and unhappy and have wasted a life. And I decided that I needed to change. And that was about eight, nine years ago. And it has been a journey of transformation and not only transforming myself, but also now helping other people because I think it's really common, right? We live in a society, especially a society that is driven by like results and money and very like statusy success. And at the end of the day, a lot of men and women who play into that, we find ourselves playing that game. But at the end of the day, we find ourselves like tired and burned out and and unhappy and unfulfilled, and we just keep chasing the next thing
0: Alex, it's really interesting that you say that because a lot of people would consider what you have as the definition of success in America, and you're saying right now, which which I agree with, you know like it's like the entire point of exploring America is uh is basically finding fulfillment on a deeper level, but like yeah. a lot of people would find that to be the epitome of success, but what is what is your opinion on that matter?
1: I think that's the problem or gap when we talk about success is success should be identified by each individual uniquely because, you know, there's people out there that would say the definition of success is family. There's people out there that would say the definition of success is like leaving a legacy. There's people out there that would say the definition of success is eight figures, nine figures, 10 figures, right? People that would say the definition of success would be curing cancer. And who are we to, say, to define success as like one thing? And I think that's the trap that so many of us get caught in. And it's nobody's fault. It's not even like our culture's fault. It's just how, it's just like what happened, right? It's just how things have unfolded over time. And now we're sitting here and for me, success used to be defined by money, by like the woman on my arm, the house that I lived in, the car that I drove. But if you have a lot of money and you have a partner and you have a cool car and you have a cool house and you're unhappy, how is that successful?
0: Right? It's like... Alex, Alex, Like over here, a lot of people would say that if we have those things, you know, like a lot of like the 99%, like they would say, if we have these things, we're going to be happy most yeah. of them don't have those things so they don't know what it's like to be on your side what would well, you tell <laughs> <about?
1: laughs> Well let's let's be super clear I'm not in the 1%. I know how much money what I'm worth and I don't qualify to be in the 1%. And that's not a bad or a good thing, right? It's just it's just a it's just a number thing. And I also know that I'm probably in like the top 5% and I'm very privileged and I'm very lucky and I have a lot of opportunities that people don't have. So I don't want to like Right. Just cause I'm not in the 1% doesn't mean I don't have it. I don't have much more opportunities than other people. But what okay, else? All right. The
0: top, the top three to 5%. Whatever, right,
1: what, I think, but it. I think, I think the important, the thing here is though, I thought that was what would make me happy. Cause I was like everyone else. I was like, man, when I get that, when I hit six figures, when I, uh, you know, when I write that book, when I get that girl, when I get that car, when I buy my house, then I'm going to be, ha- then I'm going to feel good. And you know what happens is you get the thing and it feels good for a second. And we've all actually been there because we've anyone, I would say anyone listening to this podcast, anyone that has their basic needs met, their food, air, shelter, water, you know, they're safe. They have a roof over their head. They've all wanted something and they all wanted something because they thought it would make them happy. Maybe it's a new iPhone. Maybe it's a new computer. Maybe it's a new pair of sunglasses. Well, what happens when you got that thing? You were happy for like a little while. And then what happens? It just becomes like everything else in your life. And you're like, oh, I got to go get another thing to be happy. We're chasing happiness as though we can catch it. It's not it's not actually available like that. And if you want evidence, it's like, look at people that have a lot of money. Why are they committing suicide? Why are they addicts? Why are their marriages imploding? Why do they do illegal things? You know, like we could, we could find all the things, but like there's all these successful people here. Here is, this is like one of my favorite Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. These are two people that have so much money. Why are they spending their time suing each other and fighting and creating all this drama? Right. I don't know their lives, but like they could be living and doing whatever they want. And that's what they're choosing to do. And we could find many, many rich people who are in the 1% who are not happy who are not joyful, who are not fulfilled, and they have everything all of us want. They are the evidence that it will not make you happy.
0: Alex, you you touched on something so deep because uh a part of like extra, like of American system right now is about and uh, the entire debt system, like where you have the credit card, you have the buy now, pay, uh, like a pay later approach is about people trying to find happiness in materialism. Yeah. And I was gonna ask you this later on in my, America team questions, but like right now we're already getting there. So it's kind of like like the system is built on Americans finding happiness or instant gratification in materialistic things like that big house or the beautiful woman on your hand and all of that. But you're saying that eventually you found out that that's not what's going to give you happiness. It's something that you look for within. And it's a really deep subject, actually.
1: Yeah. I mean, happiness is something that we cultivate all the time. It's, it's a, it's an ongoing, it's like food. I've never said this out loud, but it's like food. You don't eat when you're hungry, you eat food and then you're full. You don't stay full forever, right? You have to continue to nourish your body. And if you, and look, if you eat badly, if you eat too much, then you stretch your belly and it takes more to fill you up. Right. And if you eat too little, it takes less to fill you up. Happiness, maybe, I don't know if this is a good metaphor, is sort of like that in the sense of it's about cultivating it. It's about doing the things internal, the internal work, so that whether you get the car or not, you're still happy. So a lot of my work focuses on, I ask people, like, what do they want? And let's say, like, hey, just tell me, for you, like, what's what's something you really want that you don't have? Just anything. Like.
0: A billion dollars, I suppose, or like a
1: hundred million dollars. All right. A hundred million dollars. What would, what would you get if you got a hundred million dollars? What would that provide for you? The, the
0: opportunity to, uh, give a means to eradicate poverty through like by opening up schools, for instance, for education and all of that, which would okay. could lead to a lot of good karma. That's awesome. I believe, I believe in reincarnation karma. So I think that if you, Uh, plant the seeds now in this lifetime. You get it back in future lifetimes.
1: Awesome. So you, you what I what you just said though is ultimately bigger than the money. Is like you want to be a good person and help other people.
0: Like I feel like money is a means of maximizing what is already within you, and so it is a way to create an impact. But like people that are poor, like they would not be able to create the same impact as people as like the evil people with lots of money, right? So, so you want to make a difference.
1: You want to create an impact and you want to help people. Yes. You don't need money to do any of those things. Now, I agree with you to do them on the scale that you want to do them on, right? Like to like eradicate poverty. Yes. But you can help people. You can make an impact and you can make a difference in people's lives and be a good person without having a hundred million dollars. And, and if we said, you said you wanted to do that because essentially of karma like you believe in karma like you want to like essentially bet like it's it comes back to like helping you live a better experience right in your next karmic life
0: yeah but ultimately it's overall in the grand cosmic thing scheme of things i do believe Mm -hmm. we're all one so yeah Yeah, but it's more of like a spiritual thing but yeah i I love it i do see money as a tool of Mm -hmm. creating impact but i think that if I, we don't have that much money. Like, obviously, the basic necessities are there, but after that, yeah, for impact, basically.
1: Yeah. So I so when when I say this is like your all those things that you are saying you can do without with or without money. Yes, I agree with you. Money to me is like a is a tool. It can be a magnifying glass, right? With a magnifying glass, you can either read really small print or you could burn an ant, right? A hammer is a tool. You can hit somebody with it or you could build somebody who doesn't have a house a house. All tools are what we do with them. And I think like it's about ultimately we have to look at what's that thing inside. You know, you're doing this podcast, you do other things too. If you're not enjoying the things you do, you could get money and you're going to, and you're going to be like, wow, I have all this money and I was like miserable the whole time. So the experience of your life is I have money and I'm miserable or I've been miserable. What if? We could generate actually the experience of our life that we wanted and let that produce the result. We like flip it, like flip it backwards instead of being like, all right, I want money. How do I get money and do whatever it takes? And then I get money and maybe I, maybe I enjoyed that journey or how do I want my life to feel like I want to be a good person. I want to help people. I want to take care of people. I want to have an impact. And then I live from that. And I would guarantee if you have an impact, if you help enough people and you're a good person, your your money is going to come to you through those sources. It's just then even if let's say it didn't come to you, let's say you didn't make any money. Wouldn't you still be happy that you were having an impact being a good person and making a difference?
0: I think I think for like a lot of people like it would be more complicated than that like they do want to experience like the good things in life and also make the impact as well it's it's more of like money's like it's a means of like let's say you wanted to travel to a far off country and sure. you have to have the money for like a plane ticket and and it's not just that it's like they want to get out of their jobs and they don't want to uh be stuck in one place in a in a physical location while like doing a job, like they want to. Be so able they to, want an
1: experience,
0: is what you're saying. They want multiple experience, multiple experiences. I would say, yeah, like without yeah. the without the having to like spend forty hours a week in like a cubicle sure. or something like that. Yeah, so people want
1: the, people want experiences.
0: Ultimately, that. they want freedom and uh, they want more freedom and uh, like most people, including myself, believe that uh, having enough money will allow to do that but after a certain point as you're saying it'll not make you happy
1: well and that's part of the illusion that keeps the game going why is it that the people that have money are so afraid to lose it and then they're imprisoned by it and the people that don't have money are imprisoned by the need to get the money though it's all its we stay in this cycle of like money runs us instead of us running our lives I'm not saying money is a bad money. I love how you said I want money so I can help people. Money can be used, but what we what we've done is we've created it so that we are victims of money. I'm not happy because I don't have money, or I'm or look. I have clients that are multiple millionaires, and you know what I hear hear sometimes when I get on the phone with them? Oh my god, the stock market! Oh my god, the stock market! It's like, dude, did you think when you put your money in the stock market, it's only going to go up? This is how, like, so you have money, you don't have money. You're still freaked out and
0: money makes you crazy. But but, okay, so for them, they're already financially free. So now they're- They're
1: not financially free because they're terrified of losing it. The golden handcuffs stay on them. They can't quit the job because they're afraid they need to keep earning. They're terrified of losing everything they've gotten. I'm not saying every person with money is terrified of losing, right? I'm just posing that whoever you are, you will still be it when you have money. If you're a scared person and you're fearful, when you have money, you're going to be scared and fearful with money. If you're an evil person, you're going to be evil with money. If you're a good person, hopefully you'll be good with money. If you're, if you, if you can be free without money, you can be free with money. Money does not give you freedom. There are here, you know, Grace, a great example of this is watch a documentary about all the royalty in England, all the like the kings and the, the, the people, those people are have more money and they are imprisoned. They can't leave their house because the paparazzi, they can't be with the people they want to be with. They can't go where they want to go. And they have all this money and they have almost no freedom.
0: I think it's because they had it put into the direction of ego where they uh, were more into ego, fame, and success. So I agree with you to a certain point where you have to have the right values and the right beliefs and the right cores and ethics. And then You and then money will help you get become more of what you already are. But I do think at a certain point, like this is where I would slightly disagree. Like a certain amount of money will give you freedom from having to do a nine to five job or something. Like to a certain point, like maybe like it could be six figures or whatever it is, like ten thousand, twenty thousand a month. But after that, that you have to like you have to know what your values and ethics are because otherwise it can lead to ruin. You know, like as you were mentioning the the royal family or they are basically impinged by egotism Uh, like a lot of things a lot of times they'll consider the royalty as like an egoistic institution the trappings of paparazzi and fame and all that but yeah it's a deep subject altogether
1: yeah and you look they i mean there are studies on i don't remember i don't know what the number is now it used to be like hey if you made at least seventy thousand dollars in the u.s Any more money wouldn't increase your happiness. That like that much money got you your needs were met, and that's where I think it matters. Look, if you don't have food, air, shelter, water, safety, if if you're worried about where you're going to get diapers for your kids, if you're worried about how you're going to fill your car up with gas, it's impacting your happiness level, hundred percent, right? Because if I can't, if I'm freaked out about filling my car up with gas, how how can I be happy, right? I'm freaked out about that. If I don't know where I'm going to put food on the table or how I'm going to pay my rent. It's really hard to be happy because that's like a, like survival. Once I would say that once those needs are met, once we have the, we have the clothes we need, not the clothes we want, not like all our, you know, we're like, we're decked out in all our designer things, but we have the clothes we need. We have that transportation. We have the food. You know, we have the fundamental freedom. Like you can, you can go. Then it becomes. Hey, who are you to make you, who are you being to make yourself happy? If you're not happy in your job, just having a bunch of money isn't going to make you happy. You're, you're going to, what are you going to do with yourself? Right. Like that same people have to generate those things beyond that level. And I think that's where people fall short is they're like, they're relying on, well, if I had this money, then I would be happy, which makes them a victim to this thing they don't have. Instead of taking responsibility for their own happiness,
0: no I see this is where I agree with you right you said that you told the amount about seventy thousand dollars, right yeah, so a lot of people in America and also the across the world like they are in a survival state hundred percent consciousness yeah. altogether right like they're doing some many are doing two or more jobs, and they're they're trying to pay the rent they're barely they're basically living paycheck to paycheck, so yeah. their their state is I need to get to this state first. But then once they reach that state, then that's when these questions come into view, you know, because yeah. from your perspective, you're speaking from uh, from that perspective where you already have the basic needs met, but it's, I think, a step-by-step process, right?
1: Yeah, it depends who the audience is, right? Like I, in my work, I'm not usually, even here, man, I mean, we're on a podcast, right? So most podcasts are listened most, like heavily, most podcasts are listened to on iPhones, the majority of podcasts on the iPhones and Spotify. I would argue also that people that have time to listen to podcasts. You right? You have time freedom. There's people that do not have time to listen to podcasts cuz they got like three jobs and they're not allowed to listen while they're working. So I think that the majority of people that are probably listening to podcasts on Apple or Spotify on their iPhones or on whatever are not the people that are in the like survival mode. I think they're more of the people that are at the level of like that 70, whatever. And they're trying, they, they're they're in this game of, I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. And that's a lot of the people that I also talk to and work with in in various ways are people that have those needs met. They're not, you know, and yet they're still in their fear-based mindset or they're still in their unhappy mindset of, well, if I had more, I'd be happy. If I had more money, if I had that better car, if I got that raise, if I had a different job, it's always something outside of them. Instead of coming back to like, hey, it's your life. It's your responsibility. You want to be happy? You're going to have to cultivate happiness. It's like you want, it's, it's like being like, you know, you want to be thin. You're going to have to do the things to get thin and in shape. You want to be healthy. You're going to have to do the things that to get you healthy. You want to be in love. You're going to have to do the things that would make somebody want
0: to love you and that would have you love someone else. No, Alex, it's, it's actually a beautiful thought. And. Uh, there's a question I want to ask you in addition to this, right? Is, uh, on a national level, uh, let's say, you know, like the American identity is based on the pursuit of happiness. And we already know, like, uh, right now the debt-based system is based on immediate gratification where you buy all these things in order to make you happy. What would you, uh, uh advise, uh, like our fellow Americans on how to basically pursue happiness?
1: I think we would ask, or I would ask people to ask that question. Like, what do you really want? And then keep unpacking that. So, Hey, I want, you know, money, whatever. I want a house. And then why, why do you want that house? Oh, so I can like have more kids and have a family or why do you want money? So I can retire. Why do you want to retire? Whatever. Why do you want to have a family, right? All these things and get to like the root of it, like keep asking that question. And at the end of that, there's an answer. So for me, What I want is to have an impact. What I want is to make a difference. I want to help people make their lives better. That's all I want. If you give me money, there are ways that it could, that could be possible. If you give me a house, there are ways that I can use that. But ultimately the thing that I want is like, I look, I look at my deathbed. I I imagine myself lying at the end of my life and I think about nobody lies at the end of their life and says, I wish I had more money. People lie at the end. People lie at the end of their life and they say, I wish I was more connected. I wish I had more love. I wish I had more fun. I wish I relaxed a little more. I wish I told that person I love them. I wish I forgave that person. I wish I traveled more, right? All these things. And so I think about, you know, at, at the end of my life, I want people to say, Alex added value. Alex contributed to making other people's lives and situations better. And then that's how I operate. And that's what makes me happy. So like being on a podcast like this is one little way of providing value and helping. So that makes me happy, right? That uplevels my happiness. Another way would be, you know, people call me and they want to work with me. I don't know if they're going to be able to work with me or not, right? I don't know their situations. I have conversations with them and I try to support them in those conversations. They work with me great. If they don't work with me, that's okay too. But my goal is that even in that one conversation, can I make their life a little better? And that feels good.
0: So I keep, like, I follow that. So, Alex, it's really amazing. Like, your worldview is, like, really, like, it's almost, like, spiritual. I would say, actually, it's pretty spiritual. Because that's what uh, what people with spiritual transformations end up happening. My question to you, and uh, this is also for the audience, is, like, what was that transformational moment that made you transform from the egotistical type of bad boy type of person to this uh, person that wants to add value to society, and like what was that exact moment where it was like yeah. uh, you had that transformation and you didn't want to do these uh. reality t v shows and like, <laughs> you wanted to do something meaningful, so as to say
1: um well, there was actually an exact moment, which is pretty crazy, but I also think there's been series of moments that's like that have really like opened it up even more. The the first moment was about eight or nine years ago. I was with my family and we were in Costa Rica. And I was still in the hospitality business. I was doing pretty well. I was in a relationship. And again, we're in Costa Rica. We're in this beach house. Like my whole family, there's like 12 of us. Uh, We're having this amazing vacation. You know, you'd think if you saw where we were in the life, you'd be like, man, these people must be happy. They must like have it all. Right. And I was not very happy. I was like, oh, I wish we had that or I wish we had that. I wish we had more of that, right? It was always more. And we were sitting at a a table for dinner and at a restaurant. And I think, you know, we were we were like having family squabbles or whatever families do, you know, right? There's always family tensions. And my cousin, who has been doing very like spiritual shamanic work since she was like a child, was having like her own inner battle with the tension at the table, the energy of the space. And she left the table. She went outside the restaurant and kind of did like a little, I want to say like a a presencing practice of some kind to just kind of ground herself and clear her energy. When she came back to the table, she asked us all if we would say what we're grateful for. Now, people asked me what I was grateful for many times before that moment. And for some reason, in all those other times, I didn't care. I, I wasn't really grateful. I wanted more. I wasn't grateful for anything. And for some reason in that moment, And I don't, I can't tell you why I wish I knew it feels like very karmic. It feels like my Dharma in a way, like, like it was like just supposed to happen that in that moment, when it came to me, it was like, God, the universe, whatever you believe, like punched me in the face, slapped me across the face. And like, I just woke up and I realized, oh my God, I have so much. I am healthy. I have a family. We have the financial resources we need to live safe, happy lives. We have all the food we need. We have the healthcare we need. We have the education we need, right? We have the opportunities we need, like all these things. We're on this beautiful vacation and I'm over here, like only thinking about what we don't have. And I I burst into tears. I like completely broke. I was not someone who had any access to their emotions. I broke. I was bawling. My family's like looking at me, eyes wide, jaws all slacked. And in that moment, I was like, I have to change my life. Like 100% was like, I got to change my life. And
0: it started right from then. Alex, that is so deep. Like I, uh, you know, in spirituality, like gratitude is one of the, one of the most important qualities to have, like in in, like relationship with God, because it keeps you humble and keeps you, uh, non-materialistic to a large extent. But like the way you describe it right now, that's basically a lot of people in today's world. Like they, they're not grateful for what they, ha- uh, what they uh, have. Like they're always looking at what they don't have and yep. it's always making them so miserable. But I think a key aspect of happiness is gratitude and appreciating what you already do have. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. earlier we were talking about how marriages like these celebrities and like these rich people have their marriages and pulling. I think it's because, they're not grateful for what they have in their life. They're always focusing on, yeah. on what they don't have. And that's a key aspect of happiness. So it's amazing that you're mentioning that. I
1: think we spend a lot of time focusing, not just on we don't, what we don't have. I think once your basic needs are met, so once, right, all these things we've been talking about, air, food, shelter, water, safety, your fundamental freedoms, right? To be able to like go and do the things you want to do. Once those are met, This is going to sound crazy to people, but I would say that you don't have any problems. You know, a problem is I don't know how I'm going to get diapers for my baby. A problem is I don't know how I'm going to get food. A problem is I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. A problem is we don't have clean water. Once those things are met, everything else becomes an opportunity. Because think about it. If you and I wanted to go scale a mountain, we could do that. Because we're not worried about where our next meal is going to come from. But if you, if I wanted to scale a mountain and I was like, come scale it with me and you didn't know where your next meal was going to come from, you would have to focus on where your next meal was going to come from. You'd have to get that next meal. You'd have to get that next money to pay your rent. That most of us, not, I shouldn't, I shouldn't actually say most of us because I don't know the, the amount of people. Many of us, many of us who have our like basic needs met are actually manufacturing problems in our life. Oh, it's a problem that I don't have a Mercedes. Oh, it's a problem that my job isn't my dream job. Oh, it's a problem that I'm fat or that I'm like out of shape. It's a problem that my p- partner doesn't, you know, want to have sex with me every day. Or it's a problem that that I only live in a two-bedroom instead of a four-bedroom. And what I would say is that mindset is what keeps you actually where you don't want to be. Because instead of going, wait a minute, these aren't problems. These are you want a you want a 4 bedroom instead of a 2 bedroom? Let's go play that game. Let's go make up a game where you're going to figure out how to get a 4 bedroom. You want to scale a mountain? Let's figure out a game where you can play it where you can climb that mountain. You want to go from, you know, $100,000 a year? Here, I'll I'll give you a perfect example. I have a client who when she started working with me, her business was making $250,000 a year. And she was struggling, right? Just because it makes that much doesn't mean that's what goes in her pocket. And we've worked together for less than a year. So we started working together in 2021 at the end of the year. So it was like six, seven months of working together. Her business had grown from 250,000 to $850,000 because we got her out of trying to fix her problems. And we got her into playing a game of showing up as this badass woman who could run a business and wanted to hit a million dollar business. And she's really close. And that's a game that you get to like, that's an opportunity. That's a challenge. That's like testing yourself. And think about how much more fun that is, you know, than like, if I said to you, like, hey, let's go take on this challenge. Let's go challenge ourselves to make a million dollars. Isn't that way better than like, oh, my my stupid house and my like dumb apartment. And like, how am I going to get to better? It's like the energy of that is that's not motivating. That's not exciting. That's not going to help you like make a big change or a big difference.
0: No, Alex, I love the way you like talk about it. It's all about like the mindset, though. It's like a shift in mindset. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about getting like Americans to have like a shift in their mindset with regards to just everything, but especially regards to finances. So I'm glad that you I glad that you put that point. But Alex, I know that uh, you have this thing called the Dream Mason, right? And uh, the podcast, which reminds me of the American dream. You know, a (laughs) lot of people, and it's all connected together, right? So Americans believe that the way to attain happiness is by pursuing the American dream. And it's different for different people. But according to you, from your perspective, what do you think is the American dream? And what is the biggest hurdle that Americans face to uh, towards achieving it? And how can they overcome that hurdle?
1: Man, that's like a really, it feels loaded, that question. And it feels but, like, but, but you're like the
0: ideal person to ask is you, you're about architecting well, the dream, you know?
1: Right? So, so, yeah. So let me say this. I, when I, you know, I have my brand is my company. My brand is called the dream mason. And I like to be clear. I'm no more of a dream mason than anyone else. We're all dream masons. We all, a dream mason is somebody who crafts and creates their dreams. We all have the opportunity to be that. When I say it's loaded because. I see two sides of America really clearly. There's there's an America that provides opportunity for people like no other country on earth does, right? I have friends that have come to this country from another country because there were no opportunities where they came from and they have built first generation, right? Built great lives for themselves here. And they are like, oh my God, thank you to America, right? I've had a great life in America. So I can say that too. I'm one of those people. Yeah, Yeah, right? So that's like, Nothing, I think the important thing is like, nothing is, nothing is like one way. Things are like very dynamic and full of color. And so there's an America that provides so much opportunity and so much possibility. There's also, and let's, let's call that like, I like, I know that you like spirituality. Let's call that like the light side. That's the heart of America, right? But then America also has a shadow side. Again, now here, shadows aren't bad. Right. You have a shadow side. I have a shadow side. I want to be really clear. When I say America a shadow side, it doesn't mean it's bad. What I think our shadow sides do is they provide us with the opportunity to grow. Now they might seem messy or harsh or cruel, but they create the thing that we get to shine the light on to transform. Right. My shadow side is an asshole. That's what created <laughs> the opportunity for me to change my life. America's shadow side is cruel. It puts certain people over other people, right? It has it has like historical context and current context of racism, objectifying women and putting men over women, right? All these, like, we don't even need to go into all that. That's the shadow side. So again, I want people to hear me really clearly. America has this beautiful light side that's all possibility and opportunity. And then it has a shadow side that there's a lot of opportunity for America to be better. And so, when you ask me what the American dream is, I think there's still there's two American dreams. I think one American dream is that original American dream, which is the land of opportunity. That that there it is a land of possibility. It's a land of light, and anything is possible. And when you say, and what well, I should say, and the shadow side, the American dream on the shadow side is, I think. That we need to actually make it possible for the light side to be possible because right now we can't say that it's the land of opportunity when there's some people who don't have opportunity. There's some people who the system actually prevents from having opportunity or or let's say makes it much harder, right? Because look, here's a the simplest way kind of to say this with you and me. If you and I apply for a job, I have a better shot than you. Because simply my name is easier to read on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, that, and, and that's not your fault. That's not the person. That's a, a bias. But I think like the American dream on the shadow side is how do we transform that? How do we make it so that the light really shines and outshines the shadow side where everyone has the opportunity to like rise up? Everyone has the opportunity to be fully free. Everyone has the opportunity to have a voice, to be seen, to be heard, to fall
0: in love. To live their best life. So it's really interesting that you say that because I personally believe that there are two sides of America. There's basically the light side, as you said, like the spiritual side. And then uh, to me, the dark side is more like the ego side, the one that is all about celebrity. Like what are you mentioning in the beginning? Like all the cars, all, uh, all the fast-paced thing, having all the materialistic superficial stuff and also the exploitation of like 99%. But for sure. me, like it was more of like a choice. You can either choose, the American, you can either choose to be on the spiritual side and then basically do what your transformation, the later half of your transformation was, or you can continue the, down the road of what you were before you had that transformational moment, which is why it's so interesting that you talked about all of that. Cause I feel like that's what America is going through on uh, on a national level over a larger span of lifetime. Because you know, like uh, uh, in the 1980s, they had this system of superficiality, greed is good, like the stock market and all of that, and then the fast cars, and then you got to have the best, the best, best house and all of that. And then what America needs right now, Alex, is a transformational movement, the same way that you had all eight what? nine years ago. But at, at some point, this is what extraordinary America is trying to yeah. do on a certain yeah. people level, where they're like, no. This system is not good. This is going to lead down, us down a dark path. We need to be more spiritual. We need to be more giving. We need to provide value. And that's why I was just so, it was so profound, Alex. Mm. I mean, I'm being generous. I'm not, I'm not talking just for this podcast, but even like while we we're on, on like a video that's being record, recorded, I'm, I was like, wow, this is crazy. That's what thanks. I was thinking about.
1: Well, thanks. And I, I look, I think it's, it's our, it's all of our job to be a part of this. You know, we, Look, if one person shifts because of anything I've said today from listening to you, that's amazing, right? doesn't need to be like shift. It's And I think that it's all our part because everyone doesn't have the opportunity that I had, right? Like when we were just talking about problems before, if you're a single parent and you don't have any resources and you have no community helping you and you got like three jobs and you're trying to like raise your three kids with, you know, you don't have a lot of time to get spiritual. And I think that's where, to your point of like wanting to help people want, like, that's where the, the, those of us that have more opportunity that have more possibility, that's the transformation. I think that, that, that's how I see it transforming is we can't expect the people that are in survival mode to be, to do that. No, great. If they can amazing, right? Cause it's like, who am I to tell them they can't, but I think that there's a lot of us that are, that have the opportunity to, to make that path easier for others. And I think that's, that's our job. That's the, like, you know, we have to go from the light side and look at the dark side and go, Hey, how do I, how do I like create more light in this space? And that's not easy to do. It's not easy. Look, we joke that I call myself a recovering asshole, but it's not easy to look at yourself and go, Whoa, I have a dark side to me. Like I'm a jerk or I'm evil or I'm selfish or I'm greedy.
0: That's really, it takes a lot of courage, Alex, to, to admit something like that. Like, because like most people would not do it, they'll be like, "No, nah, I'm perfect. Oh, I I don't have a dark side <laughs> at all." But like you're like openly saying, like, "Yeah, I it's uh, I have a light side, and I have a dark side." But that's but on a deeper level, on a national plane, like I feel like you're like I see you as America, it, like <laughs> what you're what you symbolizing as America, and then there's the light side, and the dark side, and then what America needs, as I was mentioning earlier, is that transformational moment of being gra- grateful. For on like a mass level.
1: Well, Amer- America is just a representation of its citizens. Every country is right. Every country is, what is what's the, the saying? It's like, you get what you tolerate and America gets, let's just put it frankly, like really terrible politicians on both sides because that's what we tolerate. like, and, and there's amazing people out there that would like to have no interest in running for office because they're like, I don't want to be in this nonsense. And we've created like we American, I'm not saying like Americans don't have to do anything crazy, but we, we can literally stop tolerating the things our politicians do. We can stop tolerating the things people in power do. We can stop tolerating the things like the heads of big companies do. We can actually. You know, there's more people like collectively than there are people with power. And right. And if the people collectively say, hey, this isn't the America that we want, or this isn't the company that we want, or this isn't what the family that we want, you can, they can change it. I'm not saying it's like easy or it's going to happen overnight, but the America that we have currently is because the citizens of America, it's a representation of us. It's like a, you know, it it is it is a magnification of the people that live here. And, and that doesn't mean like there's probably people listening being like, no, that's not me. And I, I don't mean that as like each individual, like the collective, right? Like the the if if everyone in America was one way, the leadership wouldn't be a different way. Right? It it's a it, it is a representation.
0: Yeah. I mean to be honest, Alex, there's so much to talk about, but it's only like a one-hour podcast. <laughs> access, so I got to continue. Because <laughs> what we're talking about is so deep and profound. But yeah, the like we're on limited time. But on a different note, uh, Alex, I wanted to ask you about uh, your uh, podcast, Playing With Problems. Can you tell me and the audience a little bit more about that and the premise yeah. of how that got started?
1: Yeah, Playing With Problems is fun. And I think really different. Um, You know, I got tired of looking at, everything online and everything on social media and just seeing like the highlights of everyone's amazing life. And like everyone I looked up to seems like they have the best life ever. And I started to think about like, no one has, no one is free of whatever they think is a problem, right? Everyone has something that they're saying is their the problem. And I was like, man, I want to like, I want to experience that. I want to see, I want to hear about what People that are successful and doing really well, what they consider their problems and what's stopping them and what's getting in their way. So playing with problems, I bring on uh, anybody from a super former Super Bowl champion to, um, to high level entrepreneurs to I have a, I think she was a Navy. I don't know what level in the Navy she is, but like a na- high up Navy. And who's also an entrepreneur who has a bunch of kids. And like we talk about whatever they think has made them successful, but also whatever they think their their major problem is in their life right now. And then we actually play with it. We like try to unpack it. We try to change a perspective on it. We look at it. The thing I love about it is almost everything that everybody brings on is really relatable, right? So – The, the, the woman in the Navy who also is an entrepreneur is like, I don't have enough, I have a book deal, but I don't have enough time to write my book because of all the things. Well, how many people are like, I want to do something and I don't have enough time. Right. The, the Super Bowl champion came on because he has this mission. He's trying to spread in the world and he can't get enough people to hear his mission. So we like played with that. And how many of us have this idea that we want more people to hear, right? We had a guy come on who. His marriage ended at 30 after 30 years and he's like, not sure how to move on. How many people can relate to having trouble moving on after a relationship ends? So what I love about it is these people put themselves in a really vulnerable spot and talk about what they're challenged by. We get to play with it. And my hope is that the audience can actually hear something for themselves and use that other person's experience to take on whatever they're challenged by.
0: That is awesome. Uh, I would definitely recommend my audience to take a look into that because, yeah, that that is a lot of times people have these issues like day to day issues where it's just about a mindset shift, you know. And but it's about like the right way of thinking, and they could do with knowledge such as that. So, Alex, uh, is there any other project that you're doing right now that you want the me, and the audience to get a glimpse into that you're working on or in the future? Yeah, I am like
1: fired up and really excited right now about the Alchemy of Men retreat. So I hosted a men's retreat with my partner, with my, 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 uh, my men's work partner, Bob, and we created the Alchemy of Men retreat. We had our first retreat in October of 2021 and it was absolutely incredible. We had 12 men up in the mountains and men came together and, uh, got clarity on like what they wanted in their life, like where their passion had gone, where the fire in their belly had gone, you know, the fears that they had around money, around being parents, around being fathers, uh, they're the, you know, they're, they broke up things like being obsessed with work so they could actually be with their families. Basically, you know, in, in a, in a week period, these men's lives completely changed. And, and what we really knew, when we really knew we had something special is when almost every single man that came on the retreat signed up for the next retreat before they even knew where it was going to be. But now we actually know where it's going to be. So we have another retreat, uh, that is coming in this summer of 2023, uh, Alchemy of Men 2, and it's going to be bigger. It, uh, it's a bigger space. What I'm really excited about is we're going to be having also get some guest leaders, which I'm, which I'm really impressed by. If people want more information about that, they can go to my website, thedreamason.com and there's an alchemy of men like tab. They can also just reach out to me and I can have a conversation with them. I don't know when you're going to have this release this podcast, but on January 18th at 5 PM, I'm hosting a free workshop for men. And on this free workshop, it's 5 p.m. Pacific, January 18th. So
0: it's Um, actually yours will be like probably in sometime
1: in March. Okay. So all right. Well, if you're thanks for saying that. I like so if you're hearing this and you're in March and you're a man or you're married to a man or you have a father or a brother, and you're like, man, that man in my life, or I am a man, that I could use more fulfillment, more happiness, more peace, more ease, more love, more joy, more connection. Maybe you're stressed out, maybe you're burned out, maybe you're you're just not satisfied. Maybe you don't know where you're going, maybe you feel like that fire in your belly is gone. Alchemy and Men Retreat. Uh it will be after March. So if you're listening to this, there'll still be time and you could sign up. It'll be in the middle of summer of 2023. And uh actually, if you're gonna release this in March, I can just say it is uh the, the, it's gonna be in June of 2023. So if you want to know about that, if you want to sign up, email me, alex at the or yeah, just go
0: to the website. That is awesome, Alex. So, Alex, where can our audience get to uh, connect with you and, in, in general, and get to know more about your work and all of the stuff that you do?
1: Uh, I mean, my website is the best place. I think easiest, thedreammason.com. Everything from my books, working with me, the retreat—you know, all of it's there. Uh, I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook, also. All you can get to all those things from the website.
0: Well. Well, Alex, thank you so much. I'm really grateful that you took the time to come on the show. Like your uh, perspective on everything is just truly extraordinary. And right. and I do hope that at some point you take the time to come back to the show because we would love to have you on the show at a later time. Whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to conclude this show by telling my fellow extraordinary Americans that, hey, look, that there is an extraordinary within each and every one of us. And it is our duty to unleash it and awaken it. So until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. All right, bye.